0: Well, like you saw in the bumper, we are actually talking today about Iron Man 1. And Iron Man 1 came out 10 years ago. Let that sink in. 10 years ago, this movie came out. And it's kind of crazy to think that a movie that 10 years ago we're actually talking about today that still holds up. And for those of you who have not seen Iron Man, let me give you kind of a quick synopsis. There's this guy named Tony Stark. He's played by Robert Downey Jr. And all the ladies in the room said, oh, yeah, right? He's played by by, uh, Robert Downey Jr. And Robert Downey Jr., I believe, uh, looking at it 10 years ago and looking at it today, I believe that Robert Downey Jr. actually plays himself in the movie. I mean, he is pompous and arrogant in real life, and so he just kind of fits in, in, in this movie as well. And so he's pompous and arrogant. He is a guy who, who designs weapons. And he gets actually kidnapped by a group of people, and he's told, hey, I need you to do something for me. I need you to build us weapons. And so Tony Stark, what he does instead is he doesn't build them a weapon. No, he builds himself as a weapon. And so he assembles this costume or this suit known as Iron Man. And so now that we're all caught up to speed, that is the movie. But just like in any superhero movie, whether you're, you're looking at Spider-Man or Black Panther or Iron Man, or as next week we're gonna talk about... Uh, Doctor Strange, not a real movie. Uh, we're going to talk about that next week. Um we're going to see over all of the courses, of all four of these uh, superheroes, is that in all four of them, they have to learn what the superpower is. They have to learn. There's a learning curve to figure out how exactly am I going to navigate with what I have been entrusted with. In the same way, we as followers of Jesus, we have to understand that we are on a learning curve to figure out how we're going to navigate this life with the powers that God were to give to us. So Let me just kind of hit pause for a second and say this. If you're a follower of Jesus, this message is specifically for you today. And so if you're here today and you've said yes to Jesus at some point in your life, I just want you to know this message is absolutely positively for you today. If you're a visitor with us today, you're someone who's saying, you know what, I'm not really sure about this whole Jesus thing. I just want you to know we are so, so, so glad that you chose to be here with us today. But I want you to know this, this message isn't for you, but it's a great opportunity for you to sit on the edge of your seat and to hear how we would talk to fellow followers of Jesus, how we would talk to them if we had the opportunity to talk to them without you in the room. So today, just kind of lean into that. But today, what we're going to do is we're gonna talk about, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that we've been given a power. We've been given a power. And this power is actually not talked about a lot in American church for whatever reason, not just VRL, but American church for whatever reason. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so today, we're gonna spend some time looking at how the Holy Spirit gives us power, Now, here's what I I need to pose with with this question, okay? For those of us who are followers of Jesus, if the Holy Spirit were to leave your life, would anyone notice? If the Holy Spirit were to leave your life, would anyone notice the way that you live and act and talk? Would anyone notice? A.W. Tozer says it this way. He says, if the Holy Spirit were withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, the first church, 95% of what they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. And so the goal for us today as followers of Jesus is to recognize not only our need for the Holy Spirit, but to experience Him today. See, when Jesus was on this earth, he came and he lived and he died. And then he rose from the grave. When he rose from the grave, he gathered his apostles together. And he told them this, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Here's what Jesus says. He says, but you'll receive power, okay? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, power. Not everybody did it. So here's what we're going to do, okay? I want everyone to participate. And you might be going like I hate when you do this, Ryan. Let me, let me explain why we do this. We do this for two reasons, okay? Reason number one that we like to do this, I like to make you turn to your neighbor and say something because I like asking you to do something and you do it, okay? That's simple as that, okay? <laughs> The second reason, more more poetic, if you will, the second reason is, is I am asking you to do something that's out of your comfort zone for a reason. Because I know where we're headed, you don't, but where we're headed is that we're going to get out of our comfort zone today. And so the quicker I can get you out of your comfort zone, the easier it is later on. Everybody understand that? Yeah, yeah, a little reverse psychology. All right, so here we go. Turn your neighbor and say, power. Power. Good job. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, underline, mark that word, do whatever you need to do in your Bible. That word is super important. And you'll become my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now this word power that we just said to our neighbor out loud, and you didn't like it, but that's okay. This word power is actually where we get the word dynamite. It's the Greek word dunamis. And this word is dynamite. It's not some weak little power. No, it is powerful. It's a powerful, powerful word. He's saying you'll receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then he goes on and says, and you will be my witnesses. Now, why is that important? It's important for a number of reasons, but I really want to hone in on this reason right here. That this word, Holy Spirit, when it comes on us and gives us power, it's not for our own self-gratification, okay? It's for the exaltation of God. It's not for us to puff out our chest and say, look what I have, look who I am, look what I've done. No, 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 no. Every time the Holy Spirit is mentioned in scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit is mentioned in scripture, it's not for our own self. It's rather for the glorification to become witnesses for Jesus. See, if we're truly going to be what God called us to be as followers of Jesus, to be and to make disciples, which is our vision and our mission statement here at VRL, to be and to make disciples, if we're truly going to be that, We have to hone into the power that God has for us because if we don't hone into that power, we're really just kind of living foolishly. It would be like trying to cut down an entire forest with a Swiss army knife while a chainsaw sits right next to us. It would be like trying to paddle boat across the ocean while there's a giant ship sitting next to us. It just doesn't make any sense to live without the power that God has in store for us. And so today what I want to do is I want to look into this power and to see how this power can begin to transform us to live a specific way in our workplace and to live a specific way among our family and to live a specific way among our friends and our neighborhood and our sports teams and all the avenues and all the spheres that God would place us in that we could sink into this power, this dynamite power that God has. But in order to do so, we have to recognize that that we're not living by the full potential of the power that God has for us. And so today, we're actually going to replace what we think is powerful and put inside a new power core today. In fact, in Iron Man 1, there's a scene where Pepper Potts, his assistant, actually changes his power core. Check this out.
1: The thing that's keeping you alive? It was. It is now an antique. This is what will be keeping me alive for the foreseeable future. I'm swapping it out for an upgraded unit, and I just ran into a little bit of speed bump. What do you, what does that That's mean? Nothing. It's just a little snag. There's an exposed wire under this device and it's contacting the socket wall and it's causing a little bit of a short. It's whoa, fine. Well, wait, what what do you want me to do? Over there. That is irrelevant. Uh, I just want you to reach in and you're just gonna gently lift the wire out. Is it safe? Yeah, it should be fine. It's like operation, just don't let it touch the socket wall or it goes beep. What in operation? It's just a game, never mind just gently lift okay. the wire. Okay? Great. You know, I I, I, I don't think that I'm qualified to do this. No, you're fine. You are the most capable, qualified, trustworthy person I've ever met. You can do great. Is it uh, too much for a problem to ask? Because I'm, I'm... Okay, okay. I really need your help here. Okay. Oh, oh there's... It's not pus. It's an, you know, <sighs> discharge. It's from the device, not from my body. It smells. Yeah, it does. The copper wire. The copper wire. You okay, got it? I got it. Okay, I got you, it. Got you got it. it. Now don't let it touch. <gasps> ah, it's, it's when I'm you're sorry, coming out. That's what sorry, I was sorry, trying to I'm say sorry. before. Okay, now make sure that when you pull it out, you don't pull it out that the magnet At the end of it, that was it. Don't no, put it I back in. What? Don't put it back in. Well, not that I'm just going into cardiac arrest because you what? yanked. I thought out, you said this was like, safe. We gotta hurry. Take this, take this. Okay. We gotta switch it out really quick. Okay. Tony. Okay. It's gonna be okay, Is okay? It? It's gonna be okay. Uh, I, I am gonna make this okay. Oh. Okay, you're gonna attach that okay. to the base plate and make sure sh- 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 uh, yeah! Is that so hard. That was fine,
0: eh? Okay, oh, I got it, I got it. Nice. So that's what we're going to do today, okay? We're going to take the power core that we have, that we think we have, and we're going to replace it today with what God calls the the real power core in our life. And so today what I want to do is I want to give us three distinct qualities of how the Holy Spirit would work in our life if we actually tapped into the power, the dynamite power that God has in store for us. So the first one is this, there's power to speak boldly. Power to speak boldly. Because if we're going to be witnesses, as, as he talks about in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, if we're truly going to be witnesses, we have to speak boldly about who he is. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 4 and 5. That's what Paul says. Uh, Paul's t- teaching to the church in Corinth. He says this, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. And I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. He says, I'm I'm not the most eloquent speaker around, but when I show up, the Holy Spirit begins to speak through me. And quite honestly, that's what we try to aim for here at VRL, that we don't try to come and be the most eloquent person in the world. Like, here's the deal. I know that when I stand on this stage, I'm not the smartest person to stand on this stage or even in this room. And some of you are like, amen, brother, right? (laughs) I know that when I stand on this stage or even in this room, I know that I'm not the most eloquent speaker that that happens to, to get the opportunity to speak on this stage. Some are like, now you're preaching, right? And I get that. I understand all that. But here's what I know. I know that somehow, some way, as I speak words, the words that come out of my mouth become transformative in your brain through the Holy Spirit who begins to grab those words and go, yeah, that's a bad word, that's a bad word, that's a bad word, and begins to place it in your head and say, here's how this affects and changes you. How do I know this? I know this because after services, when I stand in the lobby and I talk to people, and they come up and they say, hey, when you said this, it meant this for me. And I'm like, I never said that to begin with, right? And so I know what I said, but somehow, way, the Holy Spirit gives us ability to, to share Christ boldly. I saw this really played out true in my life. I was 21 years old. I was a young punk, 21-year-old kid. I was a senior pastor in a church in Kansas. Average age of this church was 70 years old. So here you've got young punk Ryan, 21 years old, right out of Bible college, not really knowing what. I'm doing, but man, could I fake like I knew what I was doing, right? And at the same time, I had this church of of 70 year olds who loved and adored me like their grandson. They would pinch me on the cheek and I love you so much. It was awesome. Okay. And so here I was. I love this church, still love this church, still in contact with so many people at this church. There's one particular lady by the name of Gladys. I loved Gladys. I loved Gladys because Gladys spoke truth into my life on a regular basis. Gladys would come up to me at the end of every single message, usually with a scowl on her face, and she would give me all sorts of feedback. One of the things she told me right off the bat was, Ryan, you talk way too fast. So I slowed down. (laughs) You're welcome, right? So... She would tell me things. She would tell me all sorts of things. She'd say, hey, when you said this, actually should have actually said this. We said this, she said this. And so she just comes to me every single week, and it just became this normal thing where after every message, Gladys would come and literally beat me up over what I said. Well, one particular weekend, Gladys came to me with a ginormous smile on her face, and I was so excited to see Gladys. So excited. She had a smile on her face, and she comes up and she said, Ryan, I need you to know something. That sermon wasn't half bad. <laughs> yeah! approval from Gladys. And so in my posture, I tried to collect myself and I said, Gladys, I need you to know something. I relied fully on the Holy Spirit. And she said, no, 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 Ryan, you didn't quite hear me right. I said that sermon wasn't half bad. If you would have relied fully on the Holy Spirit, it would have been good. (laughs) Thanks, Gladys. (laughs) But she taught me something, right? And hopefully that teaches you something as well, that if we fully rely on the Holy Spirit and ask for opportunity and for boldness in that opportunity, what will happen is I believe that the Holy Spirit truly will begin to speak through you and through me. That when we say, you know what? I need an opportunity in my workplace. I need an opportunity in my family. I need an opportunity on that sports team. I need an opportunity in Fred Meyer. I need an opportunity to speak about who Christ is. I need that opportunity. And as you begin to pray for that, watch what happens. God will place opportunity in front of you. Because if we're truly going to be witnesses, as Acts 1, 8 talks about, we have to pray for opportunity. And then we have to take boldness in the midst of said opportunity. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will begin to work in our life and speak through us. Because some of you, you're already going, no, no, no. I don't know what to say. Guess what? The Holy Spirit speaks for you. The Holy Spirit will speak through you. The Holy Spirit will begin to to live inside of you in a way that you never thought possible when you pray for that opportunity and that boldness. The Holy Spirit will work in our life. It gives us opportunities to share Christ boldly. This actually happened to me this past week. Last week I was with a group of guys. Uh, We were actually uh, talking with an individual and he was sharing just all of these things that he was going through. He had some turmoil and some strife and some different things he was working through. And and I just had this Holy Spirit moment, this prompting in my life to say, hey, Ryan, why don't you ask if we can pray for this guy? Just, why don't you ask if you pray? And so I just asked him, I said, hey, do you mind if we pray with you right now? And he said, oh, that would be excellent. Thank you so much for thinking of that. Yeah, that'd be be awesome. I didn't think of that. Holy Spirit did. So here, welcome, Holy Spirit. And so I'm like, all right. Yeah, yeah, let's pray. And so I look, I was with Brad Peznell, one of our community pastors. I said, hey, Brad, you mind praying for him, right? Because here's the deal. I want the Holy Spirit to work through Brad as well. And so in that prompting, I prompted the Holy Spirit to work in Brad's life. See, here's the thing. When you begin to allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, you will begin to look for those opportunities for, to ask for boldness in the midst of those opportunities. We have to be able to share Christ boldly. Number two, Holy Spirit will give us power in our weakness. Holy Spirit will give us power in our weakness. How do I know this? I know this from Romans chapter 8, verse 26, where it literally says those words. Check this out. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. See, I believe that only in our weakness can we truly experience his power. When you're relationship challenged, when you're anxiety driven, or when you're addicted to something or whatever it is for you, the tendency for a lot of us in this room is to try and muscle through it and muscle through it and muscle through it. That's the tendency for us to try harder, to do better, to try harder, to do better. Hear me and hear this loud and clear. The Christian life is not about self-reliance. It's not about me trying and trying and trying and trying. It's not about self reliance. It's about becoming more spirit dependent. Amen? Amen. See, this might come as a surprise for some of you, but did you know that God doesn't actually need you? Did you know that? He doesn't need you to accomplish His will. You bring nothing to the table that He needs, He doesn't need your talents. He gave you your talent. He doesn't need your money or your resources. Everything belongs to him to begin with. He doesn't need your opinion. He doesn't need your counsel. He doesn't need your permission. He holds all of the chips. And on one hand, it's beautiful, right? Because while we bring nothing to the table, we have nothing to offer, he still extends grace to us. Even though we have nothing to offer, he still gives us everything. On one hand, it's beautiful, on the other hand, it should be self-reflective that if we truly do bring nothing to the table to offer to him, we have to recognize our complete dependence on him. We have to realize that when we are weak, when we are fatigued, when we are out, when we throw our hands in the air, it's absolute surrender to him to allow him to carry our burdens and our weakness for him. See, I know it doesn't look like it, but a few years back, I used to lift quite often. I used to work out a bunch. See, I worked with uh, the Spokane Shock. I was one of their chaplains, and so I spent a lot of time at the gym with the Spokane Shock because I wanted to get to know these guys and get to know their coaches and figure out how I could speak into their life as they were going through their season so in the mornings, I would go work out with one of their coaches, head coach, and I would sit down with him before and he'd tell me what we we're going to be doing that day. And here's the deal. He treated me like I was an athlete. I'm not an athlete, but he treated me like I was one of his athletes. And so he would tell me about how I need to eat better and how I need to drink this and how I need to do this. And he'd tell me all of this stuff. And here's what I really wanted. I wanted him to, say, I wanted him to look at him and say, hey, Andy, here's what I really want from you. I want to be able to eat a whole package of Oreos and not feel bad about myself. Okay. That's really what I want. So you can tell me all you want. Now you're preaching. You can tell me all you want about all this other stuff. I just, that's all I want to do is I want to not feel guilty about eating a whole pack of Oreos. Okay. So one particular day he says, Ryan, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a chest workout, a chest burnout workout where you are just going to lay on the bench press for the next hour or so. And you're going to do as many bench presses as you can possibly do in the next hour. He's like, I'll put weight on. I'll take weight off. I'll do all that for you. I just want you to lay there and take care of it. Like, all right. And so I lay there, and here we go. We get first set done, second set. We're working through some sets, and finally he's like, "All right, I'm noticing that you're getting fatigued, so I'm going to come and I'm going to spot behind you." And so Andy would get behind me, he'd spot. And so here I am lifting, and he said, "On this last set, I want you to do absolutely as many as you possibly can. Just do as many as you possibly can. When you're done, you're done. Okay, you'll be done with your workout today. I don't want to see you for a week. You just do this." So I'm like, "All right, I don't want to see this guy for another week anyway." So here we go. And so I lay on there, and here we go. One, right? That's all I got. No, I'm kidding. But I, I get a couple out. And then he, he grabs onto the bar. He's looking down at me. He's like, come on, Ryan. You got one more in it. You got one more in it. He's you know, helping me out and helping me out help helping me out. And I'm pushing with everything that I've got. And then finally, I get to this point. And some of you who've worked out, you understand this point where you were just done. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, you're just done. You're like, nope, not going to lift anymore. And so I'm at that spot where he's holding the weight. And I literally just dropped my arms. I was and he's like, you got one more in you? 17, 18, 19. Now, never mind the fact that he was curling what I was benching, but that's another story for another day. But I watched it happen. I watched where I was weak, where I was fatigued, where I had nothing left in me. I watched as someone else began to carry the weight. And that's what God wants to do for us through his spirit. That when you're weak, when you're trying to raise those kids and you're saying, you know what? My kids just aren't aren't living up to the expectations that I have for them. God, what do I do? That's exactly what you do. You go to God and you say, God, what do I do? And where you are weak, God is strong. You've got a presentation coming up at work and you're saying, every time I get in front of somebody else, I freeze. I don't know how to speak in front of people. Guess what? Go to God and say, God, can you help me with this? If you've got someone in your life who is sick and as painful and as bad as that can possibly be, go to God and allow God to be the healer. Where you are weak, God can be strong. I love what 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says. It says this, it's Paul. He's talking about his thorn being taken from his, his flesh. And he says, each time, this is God speaking back. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. And so I am glad to boast about my weakness so the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and in the hardships and the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, he is strong. And so let me just say this, church. If you're at a spot today where you are vulnerable, if you're at a spot today where you are stuck, if you're at a spot today where you are fatigued and you don't know what to do, let me say this. You are in the perfect posture to experience the Holy Spirit. The third characteristic I want to spend time on is this, that God gives us the power to experience his fullness through his Spirit. Romans 15, 13 says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's saying this, you have to put your hope in God because if we put our hope in anything else, it's limited. Our hope must be in a limitless God. See, one of the writers of Iron Man, a guy by the name of Jerry Conway, made this observation about Iron Man. He says, here you have this character who on the outside is very vulnerable, but on the inside, he's invulnerable. You just can't be touched. He's wounded. He's an in your face kind of wound. He's broken. His life was literally marred. His life was literally ruined by a battle that should have destroyed him. But then he got this power core placed inside of him and it gave him the ability to live again. See, here's how this parallels with our life, the Christian life. You and I, whether you want to realize it or not, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, You and I are broken on the inside. There's something inside of our souls that we cannot fix. There's this disease called sin that continues to come up in our life and continues to come up in our life and continues to come up in our life. And if you and I have a disease in our life, the typical person we go to is a doctor, right? We go to a doctor because they can get inside our body and they can take care of that disease. That's what God's Spirit is designed to do. God's Spirit goes inside of our heart and He repairs that which is broken. He removes the diseased parts of our soul and He makes us new again. And He can do that because He's living and He's active and he's God and he's right here in this room and he's right here in this place. But for whatever reason, I believe so many Christians have reduced the Holy Spirit or reduced Christianity down to a checklist box. Yeah, I go to church, check. Yeah, I go to small group, check. Yeah, I sing some songs every once in a while, check. Yeah, I give, check. And we begin to make this checkmark box of all of these things and we've reduced Christianity down to just a bunch of checkmarked boxes. And when you look at the lives of other Christians around you, what you see is their life doesn't look much different than that. They're still hurting. They're still addicted. They're still filled with worry. They're still broke. They're still struggling in marriage. There's no real faith and there's no real victory. Why is that? Because they're not tapping into the power that I believe the Holy Spirit offers us. See, so many people don't understand all that God offers through his spirit to be able to experience the fullness of God. I love what Paul says to the church of of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter three, verses 16 through 19. He says this, I pray that from his glorious and unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. And your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how how wide and how long and how high and how deep is his love for us. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, that you will become complete with all of the fullness of life and power that comes from God if you've ever wondered is there more to Christianity than just check marking a box the answer is yes there is so much more there's the reality. That there's this constant presence of God that can live inside of you through the Holy Spirit that you can understand and you can ha- manifest the fruits of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and, jo- and self-control and gentleness that you can be led by the Spirit and walk by faith and not by sight that you can have a joy unspeakable and you can have a supernatural strength that you can be rooted and established in the very secure love of Christ and you can live a supernatural life in a very natural world and you can never do it by your strength, but rather by leaning into the power, the dynamite power that is the Holy Spirit. And so the question I have for us today as a church is, is that something you desire? Is it a desire of yours to begin to tap into this dynamite power that only God can bestow upon you through the work of his Holy Spirit, that you can speak about him boldly, that you can be strong when you are weak, that you can experience the fullness of God? Is that something that you desire? Because if it's something that you desire, then we have to start leaning into him. If we're truly going to be witnesses as God's called us to be witnesses, we have to say, yes, that's something I desire. Yes, Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. Come and fill this place. Not this room. Not Otis Orchards. Fill this place. Fill my heart. Because as you begin to fill my heart with that power, what will happen is I will begin to share you boldly. What will happen is I will find myself in weak spots. And in those weak spots, I'll lean into you. And you'll make me strong. Because that's what you say in your word. When I lean into you, what will happen is I'll receive a fullness. That it's not about checking a box. It's not about coming and sitting in a seat in here. No, it's about experiencing the fullness of the grace and the mercy and the love so that you can share it with others. And so the question for us as a church is, are we willing to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life? Are we willing to say, yes, that's something I desire? My hope for us as a church, if we're truly going to be as God's called us to be, to be and to make disciples, we have to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life. We have to desire the Holy Spirit in our life. And so here's what I want to do. I want to spend some time, some reflective time responding to that thought. So if you don't mind, just bow your head, shut your eyes. Let's spend some time little inventory in our own life of how the Holy Spirit can work in our life. See, if it's something you desire today, if the Holy Spirit would work in you, the Holy Spirit would allow you to, to speak boldly about who Jesus is to your friends and your coworkers and your family and whoever else the sphere of influence that God has placed you in, if that's a desire for you, or if it's a desire when you find yourself weak that God could make you stronger, or that when you find yourself strong that God can make you stronger or if it is, it's a desire for you to actually experience the fullness that all that God has for you not just checkmarking a box not just going to small group not just coming and sitting in church but actually experiencing all that God has for you in this world if that's a desire for you any of those are a desire for you I'm going to ask that you just raise your hand nice and high praise God for the honesty in this room Praise God for the honesty in this room of individuals who are saying, yes, I want that in my life. And so God, I ask you in this place, I implore you in this place. I, I, we need you, God. We've tried to do life on our own for far too long, and we need you to come into our life. We need your Holy Spirit, that dynamite power to work in and through and for us so that others may know about you so that we might see your work in our life, so that we might experience the fullness of who you are. And so, God, I just ask that that you would come over this place, sweep this place, not in this room, but in our hearts, that, God, you would begin to work in the lives of those around us and in our own lives as well, that, God, you would work as only your spirit can. And so, God, today we just ask, we beg that you would do a mighty work in us. God, we love you. We thank you. It's your name that we pray. Amen.